and welcome. My name is Mike and you're joining us here at Watch It Baptist Church Online. You're here for the fourth part in a series looking at, at some surveys that help us understand the Holy Spirit, the third person of God. We say Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Very often we have some sense of what we're thinking of with Father and Son. Maybe from time to time the Holy Spirit feels a little bit more mysterious. That's probably not a bad thing. But we are using this series, and this is the fourth in six parts, to have a look at the Holy Spirit's role and to take a sort of survey approach where we make stops along the way, at different bits of scripture that help us uh, get a wider, fuller sense, maybe, of how the Spirit is at work and what the Spirit does. We're going to be reading uh, six passages on our six stops on the tour again this time round. But before we do any of those things, we're going to pray. Lord, we put ourselves in your care as our brother Jesus, as our friend. You as one who said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And we thank you for that friendship. We thank you too that you are Father, knowing best how to care for us and direct us and rebuke us when needed. And we thank you that you are Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and be part of our understanding. We might get hold of who you are, what you do, what you bring a little bit better. Amen. Okay, here we are. Our theme for part four is the Holy Spirit and Jesus. This is because the Holy Spirit has a big part to play in the ministry of Jesus and in his life. We said right back at part one when we're talking about the Holy Spirit as being creative that the Holy Spirit was crucial in Jesus conception we read about that in Luke chapter one at this point we're not going to go back and revisit that we're going to look at some other aspects of the Holy Spirit's involvement in Jesus ministry this is important because in order to get our heads around how the Holy Spirit might work in the church today and in the lives of ordinary disciples today it's important to recognize how the Holy Spirit works in tandem with Jesus too. And we can only do that by looking at the way in which Jesus drew on the Holy Spirit and the way in which the Holy Spirit directed Jesus. Now, to my mind, at least, this is one of those confusing moments when you're back to thinking, well, if they're all God, how on earth can there be any sense of separation between them? Good question. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to be able to answer that, but I am going to at least suggest that when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. He promises someone who he has known to be at work in his own life and which then gives us the opportunity to see how the Holy Spirit might be at work in our lives as we look to work and serve and trust in Jesus. And I do wonder sometimes whether that becomes as important as any other element. So yes, we might want to get our heads around the mechanics of how the Father, Son and Holy Spirit might interact with each other. And that can be interesting and is sometimes insightful. But alongside that, there's this incredible significance in allowing us to see what Jesus models to us in the way the Holy Spirit works. 
So our first stop, our first stop on the tour today is in Matthew chapter 4. And this is about the Spirit preparing Jesus for ministry. Let's read that. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now there's lots of interesting stuff to be looked at in terms of that interaction between Jesus and the enemy, the devil, in the desert as Jesus was uh, not yet beginning his ministry with the people of Judea and Galilee. But what we do notice, and I think it's important to be aware of, is that Jesus' ministry doesn't start before the Holy Spirit starts leading him. Now, immediately before those verses at the beginning of Matthew 4, we've had an account of the baptism of Jesus and how the Holy Spirit descends on him. That's described as being like a dove. I'd like to know what it was that was like a dove. Maybe it was something that looked like it was a bird but wasn't quite a bird or looked like it was white but sort of not quite like a dove but the spirit arrives and at the point when the spirit arrives things start changing for Jesus. It's very important that we recognize that this doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't God before the Holy Spirit arrives. That is a very old, very ancient heresy that's been dealt with by people much smarter than me. But Jesus was absolutely and fully God right from his point of conception and into his birth. And he was God as he was growing up and he was God as he was going through childhood and teenage years and into his early adult life. But his ministry doesn't begin without the Holy Spirit's presence. And the first thing the Holy Spirit does is lead him to somewhere where he's going to have to be show resolve, to show faith, to show that the things he's learned about what God is like, he can actually put into practice. So it's not just what he's learned about the Bible, but his ability to shape uh, his understanding of the world and God around what the Bible demonstrates to him. And in that encounter with the devil, he refers on each of the three occasions where there's a separate temptation, he refers the lessons he's learned from the Bible about who God is. So the Holy Spirit's preparing him and directing him and challenging him. And for those of us who feel that ministry is something that all of us uh, have a responsibility to share in, and, and I hope that would be most, if not all of us, that we don't believe that, that ministry is something that other people do on our behalf, but we take responsibility for serving God ourselves, for taking out his truth and his hope and his love to the world ourselves, that, that we recognise that we are ministers of the good news. As we look at all of us who are involved in ministry, we might reasonably say, well, does this mean that ministry only really starts with the presence of the Holy Spirit? And I want to say, yeah, I think it does. I think at least as far as we have something to learn from how the Holy Spirit interacts with Jesus here, we need to be aware that if we try to strike out and do things that are ministry, that are things done in God's name, done uh, with the intention of uh, furthering the kingdom. If we do those things without looking to involve the Holy Spirit, then we're missing a step and, and a bad one. It's really vital that we allow the Holy Spirit to rest on us. So that's part one in our survey. Part two is a look at Isaiah. Now, we're looking at Jesus, you might say, what on earth are we doing in Isaiah? Well, stay with me. So in Isaiah 11 verses 1 to 5, we get this. 
out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now at that point, Isaiah is writing about something that is yet to happen. But he is writing about how from David's family, from the line of David, from the, the ancestry of David, who was king over Israel, there will emerge an individual. And we know about this kind of prophecy because we very often read it at Christmas, as we did just recently. So Isaiah is saying, out of that family will grow a shoot, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God will rest on him. So we see even hundreds of years before Jesus, there was a recognition that part of what would make this person who embodies um, the purpose of God for his people would have the spirit on them, but not just the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, but some specific things the spirit can bring. Wisdom, understanding, counsel or advice, or, or uh, I think it's, you know, ties in well with wisdom, but uh, understanding maybe, uh, might, uh, power, and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So even with all those amazing things, still a sense that God is to be feared and to be looked up to and recognised for who he is. So even from the Old Testament, we can see how there is necessary the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Jesus for him to fulfil the ministry that he is born for and that he is called to. We remember, don't we, that Jesus was absolutely came to die and rise again but that goodness me he accomplished so much during his time of ministry calling out those who needed rebuking calling towards him those who were looking for hope making space for those who the church or the religious authorities at least uh, didn't want to allow for he did all these things and, and set such a pattern that it is incredibly lasting and these things say isaiah and say matthew in our first reading are all down to the Holy Spirit. So let's jump on to our third stop. We're in Luke 4 for this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So Jesus returns to Galilee. This is a different gospel, but the same account of how he comes out of that time of temptation in the desert and his ministry begins. And so Luke starts in verse 14. Jesus returns to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And you could say, well, he's God. Surely he's filled with his own power. And I can see where you're coming from. But remember that Jesus later talks about how um, his disciples will do what he's been able to do and even greater things. And that's possible because of the Holy Spirit's power. And that suggests to us that God's power is made available through the Holy Spirit. And that because that spirit is given to us and we can call on him to be part of how we serve and minister, that there is a really significant power at play in our lives as disciples if we choose to involve him. And stop number four is this. We're in Matthew 25, 25, we're in Matthew 12, 
looking at verses 15 to 19. Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left that area and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. That's interesting, isn't it? We hear accounts of how Jesus interacted with a lot of people during his ministry, including some that he really wasn't very happy with. But it does say here he will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. And again, this is Isaiah prophecy. So the Holy Spirit speaking through Isaiah about what Jesus is going to be like. He is going to be gentle, but he is going to be uh, a voice for justice. So there's a style of ministry that Jesus brings that is a result of the Holy Spirit's presence with him. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just bring power, he also brings character. Now, you might be thinking, like I am, what about that moment when Jesus turns tables over in the temple? And certainly the tra traditional expression of how he does that is that he sort of almost charges around the room, throwing things over. I just wonder whether he had a more quiet and gentle way of doing it, even though the action was still pretty dramatic and pretty uh, expressive the spirit isn't just involved in the what happens but also in the how it happens and this does kind of feed back on stop number three where we looked at uh, how jesus returned to galilee filled with the holy spirit's power and, and actually that the way in which the holy spirit shapes the kind of person jesus is going to be in his ministry but also what his priorities are going to be he taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. So he was likable. Not, not everything he said won favour with everybody. But we remember from Luke 2, as Luke tells us about Jesus' childhood, that he grew and gained favour with God and with people. He was likable. And that's something that perhaps we might consider for ourselves as we think about how we go about ministering to a world that needs to know Jesus, but also to each other that being doing so in a likeable way is an important part of what we do. So just to recap over the, those four first stops that we've looked at, the Spirit prepared Jesus for ministry, the Spirit empowered Jesus for ministry, the Spirit shaped and directed Jesus' priorities in ministry, and the Spirit encouraged a particular quiet style in Jesus' ministry. But we've got two stops still to do. And they are these. For number five, we're in John's Gospel, in John 3. Jesus testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. Now, those are John the Baptist's words talking about how Jesus has been received in the early stages of his ministry. And what John wants us to understand, what he wanted his hearers in the first instance to understand, is that there is no limit to how much the Spirit of God will be with the Son of God. He is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. 
And that means two things, I think, for us. One is that there is no limit to how much God will offer his spirit to us. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gift promised by Jesus. I will send you a helper. That helper is the Holy Spirit. He's promised. And actually, there isn't any limit to which God will give his spirit. Because Jesus didn't say, here's a gift, but you can only have so much of it. He said, this is the gift. This means that I will be in you and with you. And actually, I'll be able to be everywhere, not just where my physical presence is. The spirit is God's unlimited presence in Jesus' ministry. And I think it's going to become important as we consider what the Holy Spirit is bringing to our lives, that we therefore become expectant in a big way to allow our faith in Jesus to become uh, an expectation that he will be unlimited in how much he gives us his presence through the Spirit. Some of this can be confusing because of some of the things that the Holy Spirit brings, like healing. And we can end up thinking, well, if, if I've got the Holy Spirit, surely I should be able to heal in an unlimited way. But in the same chapter that we were just reading for, John 3, earlier in the chapter, Jesus says, you can't tell the Holy Spirit what to do any more than you can tell the wind where to blow. Just because the Holy Spirit is given to us, it doesn't give us control over God. God will still act according to his will, and that can be mysterious and difficult and confusing. And the Bible is very good at showing us people who had exactly those feelings about what God was like. The part six, stop number six on the way, is from Matthew 28. I am aware that I haven't used Mark at all in my little survey of uh, the Spirit and Jesus. But uh, we're in Matthew again here right at the very end. And Jesus says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sees that as his disciples go out and proclaim, share, uh, persuade maybe sometimes the world, of the reality and the power and the love of Jesus, that the thing that they're going out and doing isn't just in Jesus' name himself, but Jesus identifies with Father and Holy Spirit. is one God, but in three persons. And so Jesus is showing us how the Spirit is involved in the way his ministry continues, because what he's asking the disciples to do here is to carry on doing what he has been doing. Jesus has been making disciples the whole time he's been with his disciples. And now he's saying, keep going, keep doing it. And involve the Holy Spirit and involve my father and involve me in how you go about doing those things. And that reminds us that the ministry that we're involved with isn't really ours. It's his. Now, he gives us particular abilities and passions and uh, aptitudes and gifts that mean that we will have particular strengths in particular ways. Paul is very good at drawing our attention to this kind of thing in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. But at its heart, what, we, what we're doing is allowing God to work through us by being in partnership with him. Not by taking control of the gift he gives us, but by saying, well, if, he, if, he, if, if God in his Holy Spirit gives us a gift, then let's involve God, the Holy Spirit, in how that gift is used. And in how it continues Jesus' ministry. Those are the six points. Let's just run through them again. The Spirit 
prepared Jesus for ministry. The Spirit empowered Jesus' ministry. The Spirit shaped and directed the priorities of Jesus' ministry. The Spirit encouraged Jesus' quiet ministry style. The Spirit is God's unlimited presence in Jesus' ministry. And the Spirit is the way in which Jesus' ministry is continued through us. This is only a survey. These are only little drop-in looks at some of the things that help us understand the Holy Spirit's role. But I hope that by seeing how the work of the Spirit and the work of Jesus are woven so tightly together, sort of plaited almost, that we might get a sense of how significant the Holy Spirit should be to our ministry, to the ways in which we look to follow Jesus, serve him and obey him. Let's pray and then we'll ask some questions. Lord, give us the courage to ask for your Holy Spirit. To allow for the possibility that we might do amazing things through his power and in your name. Amen. So here we go with some questions. Question one, how is the spirit leading you in how you minister, in how you serve the kingdom? It may be that you know immediately what the right answer is for you to that question. But it may be that you don't know. And so I want you to sort of put a second question in brackets by it, sort of a 1B. How might you find out how the Spirit is trying to lead you as you minister to the kingdom? Question two, is it possible to ask for too much of the Holy Spirit, to overdo asking for the Holy Spirit in your life? And question three, how is the Spirit helping you to continue Jesus' ministry in your day-to-day -day life? Well, that's it for this session. We'll be looking at part five out of six parts next time around. I'm looking forward to catching up with you then. Good night and God bless. Mm -hmm.